Are you suffering from mental health issues, social exclusion, loneliness, grief, or the loss of a loved one? Join the team from Back Inside the first Monday of every month at Airdrie Football Club where they welcome along anyone who feels they need some support, someone to listen to them, or just to have a cup of tea. They'll be there from 7pm until 10pm and they look forward to seeing you. The evening is free of charge and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact the team at info at backonside.com. Back on side. Support through sport. OTL Podcast. We're back after the short summer break and I'm joined by a new signing and a youngster who we have high hopes for for the coming season. We're looking to find our form with a pre-season sharpener. As you were, we'll briefly summarise the end of last season. High turnover, there's been a massive turnaround in the playing staff and we'll consider the new arrivals and who's caught our eye to date. The Betfred Cup, we're recording just before the Queen's Park game and we'll consider the makeup of the group stage format and Airdrie's chances this year. Hopes and fears, it's a bit too early to make sensible predictions so we'll let our minds wander as to where it might go right or where it might go wrong for the Diamonds. On the rocks, the relationship between the football club and the trust seems to have completely broken down. We'll discuss the state of play and the future for the trust. And we'll end with a song for Airdrie. Welcome to the OTL Podcast with me, your host, Colin Telford. I'm delighted to be joined tonight, returning for a, a, a second appearance in, in person. Jack McCracken, hi Jack, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. No, you're welcome. And we've got a, an unveiling of a new signing, uh, John O'Brien. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for the invite. No problem. And uh, John, just to introduce yourself, I mean, you're a, a welcoming face to, to me. I've seen you at the games for years. Um, I also know that you wrote the, the John Martin book. I mean, how did you end up being an Airdrie fan? Uh, it really goes back. It was the, the local team, effectively, and uh, friends close to where I lived in one hall used to take me along. I mean, I grew up probably during the famous Texaco years supporting the club, and I think that success does that for a fan. It uh, pulls you in, and I think that's what... Uh, is the mainstay that's kept me here because sometimes they're highs and sometimes they're lows. But it was a high which uh, really pulled me there after some negatives, shall we say. And the John Martin book, probably what I most closely associate you with, how did that come about? How did you decide you wanted to, to be the author for that? Well, I, I, I took a chance, actually. Uh, it was when Mark... Uh, God rest him, uh, he was organising one of his sponsored events and John was there. Obviously, I, I just went up to him and I spoke to him and said, uh, I would quite like to write a book. I've done a lot of research about you. I asked him, could I do it? And he said to me, someone had said they would do it, but I can't remember who. He says, no, no, I'm up for it. He probably thought I was another pretender. But uh, it wasn't long before I managed to make my way through to Preston Pans and enjoy the the rolls and roast beef that his good lady produced for me on an ongoing basis and the trips and the tales for the past. There were other things I wanted to talk about because I've never felt that uh, there were stories within John's life that never got any outing, such as the uh, pit strike, etc. And it was great to get an opportunity to cover so much ground. And I felt that uh, of all the people, he might be the best to, you know, the more recent fans to, to cover. And how much of a labour of love was it? I mean, I've read the book, it's really enjoyable. Give us a, an insight into how many hours went into that. Hours, uh, I couldn't honestly have measured it, but uh, I was doing it sometimes lunchtimes uh, at work, and then when I uh, dogged my work, effectively was driving through the Berwickshire direction to get to Preston Pans. Uh, but the time spent driving, I must have gone through five, six, seven visits. But uh, I loved it because the reason I really wanted to do it is quite simply that uh, John uh, was shortchanged when he left the club. And uh, the, the story is told when he was promised so much money by a former chairman and it never came to fruition. He had just given up two of his medals for charity and I really felt it's time something came back to this guy who has given his all, all of the time, to so many. And I just thought it was a really good opportunity. Plus, I thought it would be 
my target actually was the attendances were around seven or eight hundred, and I was looking at at least selling uh, something in the region of about three hundred books, so that I would clear my outlay. I had to pay up front or commit to that uh, before he could effectively gain anything from it. But uh, lots of ours, and I couldn't honestly measure it. But every print services have now sadly gone bust, and. Uh, I don't. I have kept the PDF files, etc. People talk to me about going through the uh, <laughs> digital approach, but I don't really. I think it costs you to put it through that, and you get something back, which is not a lot. Willie Maguire, who wrote a book himself, not about football, uh, has has achieved that. But I think he did that with the aid of the, the council. So it was a labour of love, and one which I fulfilled thanks to uh, his input and very honest detail that he would share with me. And if anybody hasn't read the book, can you still get copies? Are they still available? There are still copies. In fact, I've just heard from him that uh, he said that there is still at least, uh, of the 1,000 print copies, there is in the region of 100 copies still uh, available. I'm not sure if the club shop uh, or whatever... Uh, there are any copies remaining, but they, they, they were selling some from this point. But uh, he certainly has some remaining. So get in touch with John, you'll contact him through Facebook, and he'd be quite willing to sign it and even get a photograph. He loved that day. It was a generally a, a great day when uh, you know we were selling the book, and he thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. Uh, a photograph in John Martin. We need to say no more. Part one, I, I don't want to dwell on this, but I thought we should really pick up from where we left off. So the last time we had a podcast was before these five games, and listening back to it, we, we pretty much hit the nail on the head. We discussed whether we thought we'd make the playoffs or not, and we were kind of on the fence. We thought the weakness would be the ability to score goals, and we, we called yes. it late Macintosh. Was he clinical enough? And at these five game, he had uh, nothing each, one-on-one, uh, and he wasn't able to capitalise on the chance. We also had a terrible home result against Stenhouse Muir. We had loads of series, uh, bad results against Stenhouse Muir. Delighted to see him get relegated because it probably buys us a few points. We made the league table look better than it was with a victory against our growth who were probably on the beach at that point and with a very good record against Schnarr uh, and one down there. So I finished fifth but didn't really trouble the, the playoffs. I mean, I, I recap it on next year, I don't know if you have any takeaways from how the season closed out. Well, that, you go, John. De- defensively, we looked good. I think I think we ended up the second best defence in the league in the table, so I think that was the only positive to take from Murray coming in. At the start of the season with the squad we had, we should have been playoffs comfortably, on paper, in my opinion. But we were really, we turned up for the last two games of the season when it went, meant nothing. We were, I'm quite delighted we failed at that point in time because I felt it would have been papering over the cracks. I think if we had made the playoffs, and imagine, for example, we had flipped our way through the way Brecon did, would you have seen the same changes made, etc.? And Brecon went on to a season of absolute hell. So I'm thankful for that, uh, you know, because the playoffs, quite simply, you could have gone through in penalty shootouts or something very, very fortunately. I think what's what it's it's focused everyone's mind and uh, you know the change going forward. So one thing triggers to another, really. I think well, even even Montrose, they got played Queen of the South, finished fourth, and I think I think they beat five 0 in the second leg. I think having won the first leg, having won the first yeah. leg, I think they got humped. So it probably would have been us. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And it's hard to argue against any of that. I think change is the, the key point. So there's been massive changes over the summer. Uh, Stuart Miller was good enough to give us a bit of time and talk through the approach at the outset. We've seen that come to fruition. On Sunday's lineup, there was only two of the starting 11 who'd been there last year, one of which was a goalkeeper. So, so massive changes on the playing side, background staff, Stuart's appointment, albeit it was halfway through last season. I think he's really uh, picked up on doing the director of football stuff over the summer. So, there have been massive changes. Last season's podcast about this time, we went through uh, player by player talking up the new signings. And I'm loath to do that because it's quite embarrassing listening back to what we said about Scott Robertson and Jonathan Page. Uh, but from the games that you've seen so far, out of the new faces, who's caught your eye and who you're looking forward to watching as the season develops? John? Well, 
the two matches uh, that I have seen, for me, it's Adam Eckersley. I was no fan of Kieran McDonald, and I could rhyme off the amount of times where I would say he was ushered off the ball or he lost position. He's no strength of presence. There was an incident uh, which I commented in the match report at Partick Thistle where he did a double challenge on, you know, even we've not really seen that kind of tackle go in for a considerable length of time or from any player, but that showed the heart behind, uh, you know, the player himself. And the, the goal on Sunday, you know, again, puts him up there already. If the Player of the Year award was given after two matches, he would be the winner in my estimation. But he certainly caught uh, my eye this early. And the other one I would give a good recommendation to is the uh, young guy, uh, Craig Thompson. Uh, Thompson. Yeah, yeah, very good. What do you think? I thought on paper it was a rotten sign. Did you? I think his record wasn't good. I don't think he got a game at East Fife, really, when he signed for them. And I don't think he played much for Breakin either. I don't know if they rejected a new deal there or they released him, but didn't look up to much. But he's been, I thought he's been really good. Rapid. Yeah. Oh, he's very, very, very quick. And I love the way that his pace just takes him through mm. and he links up so well to the other forward players. I mean, it's hard to believe, but uh, our goals were scored against Clyde and with no real aerial presence up front. You know, they were all oh, wee no. guys. You know, so for people who say he can't play football on the ground, you know, uh, they proved it, especially with uh, the third goal was very good. Third goal, and but it's winning the ball back. Yeah, Thompson had done it. I thought, I you know, and he looks good. Yeah. And a lot of negative indicators have been put out there by some people who prejudge about the young fellow Smith from uh, Dunfermline. Did he play well? But he he yeah. did well. Yeah. I think he did well. You know, out with the actual, you know, for for, for a first game and just meeting up with your colleagues. I don't like to over-egg the pudding when yeah. it comes to certain players or understate them, but it's early doors, uh, as they right, you would rightly say, but I'm delighted to have uh, Adam Eckersley in defence. I missed the game that he scored a, a long-range shot mm-hmm. against uh, Forfa, up at Forfa, but I believe Gordon Thompson, I heard them talk of, it was an absolute belter. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just think he really... He was a smart signing and adds the experience. The back trio of uh, an ex-Livingston player, ex-Crichton uh, as well, Morton. I mean, they've all played at higher levels and now Eckersley gives a, a, a level of experience, I think, that we missed at the back. You know, so Eckersley for me. Yeah, big sign. Is it the feeling of a proper footballer? I'm shades of Loverham when he joined us, I think. And if he, if he turns out to be anything like the servant that Paul Loverham was to the club, then get a, a great return from him but it just feels accomplished solid uh, what, what you'd always expect but don't always get so yeah I'm looking forward to seeing him I'm glad we've got squad numbers as well this year for a yeah. change they're all wearing the same squad numbers instead of the usual one eleven every game everyone's good I think that's a bit more We'll tell that to Stuart Matthew, who's got to try and fit them all into the columns 1 to 16 <laughs> in the programme. You know, I don't know what he's actually got planned. I'll see tonight, but uh, squad numbers are great. But sometimes, you know, I, 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 it looks what, better. And it identifies the size of the squad. You oh, know, because. Squad. I, I counted it the other day. I think I've got 32 or 33 signed players. Yeah. That's including youth boys <laughs> as well, but it's a big, big squad. There's, there's two okay. things on that. There's the if we have the number of loanees that we had a couple of seasons ago, we might end up with somebody pulling on the legendary seventy-eight jersey for <laughs> Uh And I'm probably more like John. Jack was saying before we started the podcast, he was born in nineteen ninety-nine. I've got fond memories of Beardry used to get away with small numbers inside the diamond. <laughs> and there's something I quite like about a one to eleven lineup on a football pitch. But in terms of identifying players, it is is helpful yeah. Uh, yeah. and. And we've not got the squad numbers, which always, uh, sorry, we've not got the names on the back of the shirts, which would kind of obliterate the diamond between Mm. that and the numbers. So uh, I think I'll just have to stop being an old man and and just get with the times on the squad numbers. Uh, But yeah, Thompson at Parsing Thistle, I think for where we were sitting, he was right down our end. And he really, we had them on toast first half. Final ball, you would question, but he had nothing to aim at. So uh, as as we're playing an opposition that's not as 
quite a higher standard and as the link up play develops uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing I think uh, I think that's where we will struggle this season if we're playing bigger teams yeah. you know in, in cup games like this or maybe Falkirk you know I think the aerial presence could be maybe a bit of a because they're obviously better teams than you know your Stranars this season if we play good football on the ground with the players we've got against you know teams like Stranar and Clyde on Saturday you know we cruised it yeah. I think teams like if we are playing your Falkirk and Wraith you know we might struggle a bit up front if there's no you know, aerial presence about. I know you're going on subject to the League Cup separately, but mm-hmm. I'm quite happy for just the players to get game time because we only played two games. Was it two games or three games? Uh, pre-season. So, obviously, yeah, most clubs, yeah. you need about six games to get going. And if this is used for that, you know, opportunity to give lots of players the, op- the, the chance to see what they can do, then rather than going through to a round against a midweek game that could see us against a, a big club beaten well on the midweek night with a big league game to follow against Falkirk at uh, Falkirk Stadium, you know, I, I would forgo that. But yeah. uh, Well, let, let's go into the League Cup then. So I think, John, you, if you're in for the Deirdre programme, you've done a piece on the new format of the League Cup, which has been with us now for... I can't remember if this is the third or fourth year, fourth year, years, year. Yeah, fourth in the group stages. So, the run-up to that, it feels to me as if Airdrie really struggled in the Cups. I seem to remember losing to Queen's Park at Firhill uh, one year in the League Cup and just never oh, going yeah, on a run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're guaranteed four games, as you say. Mm-hmm. You can treat them as pre-season. Yeah. The odds are probably stacked against you. But what, what Do you like the format? Or, or it depends because you can batter the sides that you should beat. I mean... Our early season form consisted of two hammers of Berwick Rangers, and where are they now? You know, the thing is, it's not a gauge for anything, I don't think. Uh, the win over Clyde, who are fellow league rivals, means something. So I see it against the, the level of opposition that you will meet on an ongoing basis as closer measure than, say, against Patrick Thistle. I thought we, we played well in that game. But we've now been beaten three times with them, uh, against them in, in the same competition. And the way the format is going, they will be forever in our subsection draw and you could meet the same teams. Eventually, I think it might become tiring because you might play the yeah, same clubs over and over again. And the same, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely see, it's seeded for the likes of... Celtic Rangers and the two other cl- clubs in Europe go into the next round. So effectively, they only have to play four games to win that trophy. Now, for Airdrie to win that trophy, they would have to play double that amount. You know, so that's how imbalanced it is. We may get some success. Arbroath, who were on fire last year, finished with nine points from three games, which you think would have been enough. It wasn't e- even enough for the, the best runners-up placings. You know, so where does that leave you? But they use that as a as a gauge to take them forward into league form, and I think that's really uh, should be where our emphasis is. It's really stacked against a league one team. So you've got, as you say, you've got to to guarantee your way through. You need to win your group. To win yeah. your group, when you've got at least a, a championship team and a premiership team uh, in your section, is going to be difficult. Second place is a lottery. Mm-hmm. And again, depends on how tight your group is. Yeah. That said, last year we... We did we, finish second, I think, last We finished year. second and didn't get through. If we'd won at Hamilton... We would have went, went through. I think the penalties were irrelevant. I think we had yes. to beat them. Nearly nine points and a good goal It's difference. tough because we're, we're going to realistically, we need to beat a team in the league above us to go through. If we win tonight, it sets up nicely uh, for the weekend and you get yeah. a wee bit of excitement. Yeah. But I'm just happy never to see another penalty shootout like the one at Hamilton. That's all. That was abysmal. And, and the way Ali Roy struck his penalty against Clyde gives me the sense of conviction that someone will have, have a penalty taker there. So if there's any penalty shootouts in the other competitions, hopefully they'll step up and they're the right people because I don't think they were the right people for the job at, uh, at the time. And if we get through, it's seeded in the next round, you'd be likely to get, what well, seeds will be Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, Kilmarnock plus looking at the group stages so far probably Hearts Motherwell so you've got you'd have an enticing draw Mm -hmm. as you say John midweek 
it might be a, an unwelcome distraction, but it could also be a payday. Like we had the Celtic part the last year. Second round's uh, week weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the weekend of the seventeenth. So if we did get through, I think a league game would be moved yeah. to midweek. Well, if we get Kilmarnock, I'll be on the phone to my Welsh friends just to find out how, <laughs> how you go about taking care of the rugby park signs, you know, because they, they have, I think it goes down as one of the worst results yeah, so. in Scottish football ever, you know. And, right, uh, cause they were in the Challenge Cup last year, Edinburgh City drew against them. One each, they get beaten penalties, but if Edinburgh City can go to Wales, and draw one each with them, yeah. who are in the bottom tier of Scotland. No, it shows how poor the standard is over yeah. there. Kilmarnock yeah. went to Wales and won. <laughs> they just they they did, yeah. throw it at home. Anything else in the League Cup? Yeah, I think. Uh, kind of non because I can't. Well, it's, it's just an example. Peter Head had an outside chance. Then they played Wraith, who hadn't won a game. And Wraith beat them and effectively knocked the two of them out of the competition. That's how bad it, it, it goes, you know. East Fife had a surprise win against yeah. them, United, I think it was. But they've still got Hearts to play, so they could be let... I think it's Hearts. Uh, you know, they could be uh, leapt over. I mean, it gives the other teams the opportunity to just make a leap at the last game or something like that. And, and, and It's the way it is. Uh, I preferred... The old League Cup style, because I'm old-fashioned, where he played six times, six games, home and away. But you, you you don't have the interest now, and it would mean a lot of games early on. But I think the three-game, a four-game rule allows people certainly to, one, go and see the team in what is a semi-competitive mode. Yeah, it's more competitive. I think that's one of the pros. It's more competitive. You'd rather go watch these games than a friendly, I think. You know, home account and beef where it doesn't mean anything. It's struggling to get quality opposition in friendlies as well because yeah. Party Thistle wouldn't want to come here during a no, friendly game. They, they'd be wanting to play a bigger team. Yeah. So, so at least it guarantees you ah, there's, two there's, games against a good level. There's pros and cons. And going on to my hopes and fears. So to be optimistic, tonight's game's actually quite big. It was disappointing, I yeah. think, at Fur Hill that we were close to getting something like that. I mean, if it's a draw, then you get a penalty shootout and you could win a penalty shot and you come away with two points for what was a tight game getting zero points out it makes the competition very difficult good win against Clyde albeit we made it a bit nervous with the, the ending to the game if we can beat Queen's Park tonight which can't be taken as a given to get a draw against Aki's and only lost by a single goal to Partick Thistle it sets up the weekend's game really nicely uh, I'd like to beat Aki's because of the slight correlation between their club and ours in the last few years uh, and you could be through, draw a big club, maybe that would fund one more signing and just get off to, to a flyer. I think this club is crying out for a bit of success on the pitch, uh, given all that we've been through, just to get the momentum off, or you to come back and watch us and, and people that are on the fence about uh, going to games on for footballing reasons, just to, to create some positive momentum to get the attendance figures going back up the way so my hope is just we get off to a good start I think the team's good I think Falkirk should win this league Falkirk have got home should, attendances yeah. off around 4,000 so mm-hmm. to compete with them is going to be I think they've sold about 2,000 season tickets yeah. for the league so the pressure be. though can't tell because Wraith Rovers couldn't live with the pressure mm-hmm. I did my homework before I came here and, and I would say quite simply as far as this has gone the sooner it's over uh, if we don't look like qualifying the better uh, I believe that everything kicks off now. Ever since the new millennium, since this young lad was born, you're playing each team four times a season. So I've always yes. subdivided every everything into quarters. Now the first quarter is essential for me. Nine games against all the other sides. Now I'll rhyme off numbers for you here: 2018-19, ten points. 2017-18, 11 points. We made the playoff that year, surprisingly. 2016-17, 11 points. 15-16, 13 points. 14-15, uh, 8 points. 13-14, 7 points. 12-13, 10 points. 11-12, 11 points. Now, I think that part of your, you know, in, in this modern day of, uh, you know, key objectives, I want Stuart Mallory to go out and say, I think we should be getting a minimum 15 points. See, you get 15 points per quarter, you're definitely in the playoffs. Definitely in the playoffs. You ever get 58 points one season and never qualify for the playoffs. 
15 points per quarter and start with 15 points out of a possible 27. It is just over uh, 50%. Not, not that you could have five home games in the first quarter, mm-hmm. but the problem that existed last season is that our broth were nobody's favourites, but they just made a great start in the first quarter, and thereafter everyone was playing catch up, and that's a great start and something. So I hope that uh, the 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 feel good factor will come with a, a blazing start and something like. Uh, 15 points, that's my target, lads, go out there and, and do it for the first time in nearly a decade, please. And that's five wins, isn't it? So it's five wins, but uh, it can also be draws in there yeah. as well, or some away wins, who knows? We won away on Sunday there, yeah. so to speak, although it wasn't their home ground. But, uh, you know, I just think that that is, should be a target, and I would like to probably see that. I think that has to be a goal. It's a very tough start we've got as well, I think. I think Hope for I think Fofa looked really good this season. It's yeah. interesting, I was looking at the BBC ins and outs ins and page. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fofa's like three names on it, one of which is Eckersley, whereas ours is list as long as your arm. So they've yeah. got the consistency, they had a good season last year. Uh, they've got off to a decent start in mm-hmm. the League Cup. Uh, brought in, I've seen they brought in uh, Jordan Kirkpatrick, Ross Forbes, Callum Tappan, Andy Jackson, I think, signed to them as well. Yeah, yeah but they, they, they have done well. Good Jim Weir teams. is a lot. Jim Weir is the younger version of Dick Campbell, who does a tour of the Highlands <laughs> and the areas uh, managing those clubs up there. But the thing is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they have lost their main man, who is John Baird, who's away to Australia. That yeah, is a yeah, big, big yeah, loss for them uh, because he. He took them to the heady heights that uh, they reached, and I I don't think that they will will achieve to the, because they'll be there to be short at, you know. So we shall wait. Do you not see. think they'll make playoffs? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't rhyme off because the four sides to to play off. I, I I don't know at this this point in time. I don't think that it's hard. The great thing, and this is credit to Stuart Miller. The amount of times that uh, Stranraer reached the playoffs either in fourth place, you know, is incredible. I mean, you look at Airdrie's levels of points to get to the playoffs. 58 when we finished fifth. 49 we finished fifth. So it can vary. It doesn't. Uh, when we actually made the playoffs, uh, we only had 41 points, which is crazy. So it just shows you, you know, uh, was it 41 points? Yeah, 17, 18. We had a, a reasonably good, and it doesn't doesn't tell you anything. The one thing, as Jack said, there, forty four goals conceded. That's the best we've done in the last five seasons. We lost 60, 66, 50, no, well, thirty nine. It was quite decent back in fourteen fifteen. But I think uh, my 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 concern is that uh, we thought it wasn't until the end of the season that some some player came and scored a hat trick. The, the death, and we nearly had one there. If uh, Ali Roy had put away an easier chance than he, he, you know he, he had scored with, but um, it shows you that there's the balance there. I think there's going to be pleasant problems. I hope for uh, Ian Murray and the selection of players and keeping them all happy. But by the same token, it's providing competition for places. It's weird because he said he didn't want a big squad. At the start of the season, I think he was on that rock sport radio, and he was speaking to them. And he says he didn't want a big squad. He didn't want as many signings as last season. He's brought in more, which which I find a bit. I think Paul McKay's a weird signing. I don't think we need him. To I think be honest, the difficulty is we're committed to putting out a second string. We've got this hybrid model. So I was thinking of what what does training look like if you've only got twelve bodies there? You yeah, must yeah, have to have a big enough squad. Yeah. To, to a meaningful I think there is a lot of prison full time I think oh, it's mostly young boys waiting off I'm not I'm not entirely sure how many first team players are actually full time I think there's seven or eight maybe and then the rest is quite young boys It will be difficult I mean I thought uh, this time last October October, November uh, Ian Murray said in one of his press reviews he, he said directly and I thought, you'll never be able to do that because there's so many two-year contracted uh, people. And he said that the team that you're uh, looking at 
just now it's nothing like the team you will be seeing this the same time next year yeah. now he's he's turned the squad around in yeah. a shorter time uh, it fell fell out here Stuart have fallen out uh, uh, or you know with players along the way but Stuart himself has been victim of being released from his boyhood heroes you know so I think the there's no sentiment in football much much more, you know. So they needed a clear out. The, 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 team, the team we had wasn't good enough. Some, some yeah, that was poor. Back what I'm saying about paper over the cracks and yeah. the, the, if we had reached the playoffs it would have given us a false yeah, also. belief. And maybe more players would have been kept on. If. I think they deserve massive praise for the turnaround yeah, that they've managed. The, the getting, I know it's undisclosed, some skin anything for players these days is is smart business mm-hmm. we seem to have managed to do that three times uh, guys on two year contracts I know there's been stories about Paige and Conroy not being that happy with the treatment but I mean, presumably Conroy was paid up yeah. and Paige will still be collecting a wage so uh, it's, it's tough business and I think they've had to make difficult decisions mm-hmm. and they've done it on to the fears about what could go wrong this season we just hope that the calibre of player we've got in is better than what we had last year yeah. and it turns into results on the pitch if it doesn't attendances could go further down things could become toxic but that's not just us Falkirk no. if you read their uh, threads on Pie and Bovril it can be quite entertaining Wraith Over is yeah. exactly the same so the, the pressure's there for the bigger clubs to, mm. to, to do well I don't think the pressure's on us I, I think there is a bit of pressure I think Stuart Miller and Ian Murray will be feeling a bit of pressure because if you say the first quarter doesn't go well, it goes the same as last year, then they'll be, they'll be sweating a bit, definitely. Because they've, they've talked it up. Well, they themselves, I think they'll say if they're not in the mix of the playoffs after after your 10 games, they'll be, that'll be a failure. Oh, we should be comfortably getting playoffs. We should be challenging to the league in my opinion. I don't think Falkirk haven't got a big squad. No, I've seen um, it'll be interesting game. to see. I mean, they, they were at Broomfield, I remember them. Uh, you know, better players obviously, and they had better players, yeah. but they, they were almost like derby matches. Yeah. There was a real, I don't know if it was because of Brockville and Broomfield being old style stadiums, but there was a real. Yeah, I think there'll be uh, big games. I think Falkirk will bring a big support. Uh-huh. So they have, they have got a big support naturally, and yeah. I, think, I think it will be big games. We, we're uh-huh. playing quite soon, isn't it? It's like one. They've given us that it's the derby games. I know that the, it's a fixture between Third Christmas and New Year. I know we've played them before that, but yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's Cl- good for us as well. well I think mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than they've not tried to say Clyde your local derby because they're on your doorstep. Right. Uh, and I, I get uh, vivid memories of Falkirk absolutely packing out the way end of Broomfield. Mm-hmm. Used to have a massive saltire that would get unfurled and work its way around the way end and then disappear. Uh, they, they might they open were, the hopefully it'll depend on the run that they're on I think we've seen with Dunfermline Partick Thistle when they come down if they get a bit of momentum then they will bring big crowds yeah. but equally when Dunfermline had a shocking season you had a, a couple of hundred fans uh, in the home stand so uh, I hope I hope we're in the mix and that these games yeah. mean something it'd be really good to have Absolutely. like blood and thunder battles with Falkirk mm-hmm. and for it to be uh, a, a title challenge with, with the signings they made they should win the league comfortably I think um, but they've not they only had three subs on the bench last night. I think they're really struggling depth-wise, so a few injuries. And Time time will tell. I, I uh, laughed at uh, one of the interviews uh, in Java Victoria and Kieran <laughs> MacDonald were interviewed yeah, at the, on the Wraith Rovers uh, site and Kieran had said, I've got quite a good free kick in me and I've kind of hope my fear is that he scores a free kick because... He's gone close and he's clipped it over the bar, etc. And maybe a keeper saved one, but you know, I would hardly say he's a threat from a free kick, you know. So, but it'll be interesting because so many ex Airdrie players are coming against us. Mm-hmm. Some had even forgot Peter Head, I've got so many as well. Jack Leach, Paddy Boyle, Jamie Stevenson, Jamie Stevenson. Mm-hmm. all players who have, and I've tended to think that the first thing fans do is go and give them negative comments which causes a, an opposite reaction you know so one such Alan Cook always played his heart out against us you know so yeah. it's just always a natural so. set of circumstances uh, but we will play a lot of ex uh, filled yeah. teams even the likes of Jordan Fitzpatrick uh, Kirkpatrick Kirkpatrick uh, yeah he played briefly so. yeah. any other fears as to what pitfalls might lie ahead 
I'd be fearing if what you said about the first quarter, if we're sitting 10, 11 points, nine games in, then I think you're worrying already. Uh, you t- take a few games to get. I think we've got a tough game against Forfar first. I think that could be a tricky game. And throws away is no, no easy game as well. I think they've kind of kept the majority of their squad together. So. What about style of football? There's a, well, you could say it's a myth perpetuated on Pye and Bovell that Ian Murray's a, a negative manager. The Dunfermline fans, interestingly, jumped on the thread. and mm-hmm. uh, Sorry, not Dunfermline. Dunbarton Dumbarton, fans yeah, jumped Dumbarton. on the thread and said, well, in his time with us, it was all that attack. You score four, yeah. we'll score three. People have made the point that from what he walked into last year, he's had to go, I need to find a way to solidify this. Gone three at the back, accepted that mm-hmm. you're then trying to nick games, but not only avoid your relegation, almost caught the playoffs, albeit would say that. I, I, th- I think, I think we're right about, I th- you can't say, he came in last season and solidified the team because there was that fear of relegation because we, we weren't far off the play- relegation playoffs at one point. So I think he didn't want any of the players there. He, you know, we had to work with what he had, so I think it was a simple case of solidifying the team and make sure we don't lose games three or four now. And mm-hmm. How, how much do you care? West Ham managers always come under fire if they're not playing the West Ham mm-hmm. way, Big Sam. Yeah. I think Celtic would like to think of themselves as playing a style of football uh-huh. within Scotland as well. I don't necessarily think there's any of Joni. I think he would have two. Yeah, opposite views. If you went to Farhal, you would say well, we were quite defensively minded. But then again, it's the first, you know, we could have eked out a nil-nil draw and got an extra bonus point in the penalty shooting, the way Albion Rovers did with whoever uh, they drew with recently. So, I mean, that seems to be the norm. See, and Peter Head did it as well, I think, in some of the games against Dundee or whoever. But the point yeah. is that uh, first half, we were. Uh, very decent. Second half, I think the it was a one man show, and uh, David uh, Hutton uh, did everything we, we we could have asked of him. But the, the game at uh, after about the first fifteen twenty minutes, uh, you know, once we'd come into the game against Clyde, I thought we we passed the ball really really well, and there was a confidence level going. Goals will give you confidence. And uh, we've seen from the television uh, view highlights, it was clear handball, the boy's arm was raised. I still couldn't see why the other penalty was given, but that's incidental. And the, the goals, the other two goals that we scored were clever. And I like to see inventiveness, and this was to an extent, and a lot full of a lot of players running. And I think the only reason, part of the reason that uh, Clyde came back into the game was... David that, well, good Willie, they got a penalty for, for that and we changed the the scope of the team, probably give players here three and a lot coasting. So it depends, you know, Clyde games are normally very, very tight, but uh, we, we were comfortable for large uh, spells. So it depends. If everyone, you can you can have a wonderfully attacking game and win one now and a terribly defensive game and and two now, so I mean, it, it depends sometimes. That, uh, well, as long as we win games, I don't think. Yes, you're, you're think not going to go away well, moaning about a 2 0 win, uh-huh. surely. Uh-huh. I actually go further than that. I think we place a lot of onus on effort, and to be yeah. a more languid player at your is more difficult. We like to see, uh, we like to see guys giving their all. And I think yeah. if, if you yeah, do, cool. you get. And you buy yourself a bit of time with the support as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, it, if, it, if you are a bit more languid in your style, uh, yeah. and the results I, are going badly, we need to give players time. I think Airdrie fans are too quick to, you know, we uh-huh. have a couple, we have a couple of bad games, and then it's all he's wrong, yeah. you know, and yeah. slating them constantly. We get slated mm-hmm. and pine ball on. I'm sure a couple of players will read it, you know, and that does to the confidence. And eventually, you seen Ryan Conroy. Eventually, Ryan Conroy gets slated that much. When he did play, he just didn't look interested. And would would you blame him for getting slated that much off the fans? I think there's Wraith, Wraith away last season. He played okay actually, and he got subbed off, and the fans started cheering. You know, when he got subbed off, I was, why, why would you want him? He started the season like a train. We were saying always he, like he a did, new signing. He played really well, yeah. and then the fans slated him, and then why why would you go out and give a hundred percent for people? I, 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 in one game there, I thought he was splendid, which was the Stenhouse Mule up in the ten. Mm-hmm. As was the goalkeeper again. So, mm-hmm. 
But I mean, the, the thing is, it's the very nature that everyone has their favourites and allows greater scope, for example, yeah. for mistakes. I think sometimes we, we have got to give uh, a degree of time to allow the players to grow into the game itself because mm. the, the age demographic is very, very young at this point in time, mm. predominantly, with a few old heads thrown in there. So uh, my only fear as I couldn't tell you at this point in time, even although Ali Roy is a top goal scorer at the present moment, who could finish up top goal scorer? Do you have any thoughts on I that? I think I think Maurice seems to be he's going to be the main striker this season. Through, through what I've seen in the friendlies and Calm guys been playing Calm Gallagher more of a outright, and it looks as if Ali Roy's going to be the main main man through the middle. And mm-hmm. I think he will get comfortably double figures this season. He looks a really Energetic, you know, want to take players on a bit. Yeah, from what I've seen earlier, it does look a bit like Andy Ryan. I'm not going to say he's going to go out and score no. 20 goals, but you know, he's energetic and shoot, shoots from anywhere. Yeah, hopefully, we'll get a present surprise. Andy Ryan hadn't really scored masses of goals no. before he played for us. Alan Russell, England striker coach, if you look at his career, never scored any goals anywhere no. except us. So and hopefully no, no. one of the, the recruits will, will score goals and, there's, and Crichton has a better season in terms of goals scored mm-hmm. Eckersley's already got a couple yeah. so that, that everybody chips in I'm conscious that we need to get ourselves along to the match okay. we'll move on to the the last item which again when we started this podcast it was kind of all about structural issues and ownership issues and that a little bit of football thrown in at the end uh, the situation the Supporters Trust has further developed over the summer uh, and I've said in the podcast before I'm not one that you're going to get the most balanced view from I'm friends with a lot of the committee members uh, I was I met you John at the, the, the Player of the Year dance which I thought was a great event brilliant food 75 team along nice to see um, Hutton and uh, Edwards get their, their awards um, really enjoyed the night and that's the kind of thing that the Trust was it, did the trust organise that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do really well. Uh, presentation team McMillan kind of celebrating his, uh, well, getting into the Hall of Fame, but all, all that he's done for Israel over the years. I remember very well Paul Loverin's testimonial evening, which was a, a brilliant evening. I think Mary Campbell had done a power of work on, on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationship is what it is. It seems like it's completely broken down. Um, a lot of the trust committee members are now going off to start up things in the community. It seems that the club doesn't want to work with the trust in its current guys, so we won't see much interaction between them this year. Um, it kind of places the trust in a difficult position because if everybody's leaving, there's a new committee, what are they going to do? What are they going to be able to do, given where the relationship's at? Uh, the, the, we've already praised the club for the, all the work that's been done, mm-hmm. turning things around over the summer. I think we're all positive about, about the football hoping that there's going to be success that will really drive attendances and, and just a good feeling about the club. Um, if they can do that without the trust, I kind of think at this stage where I think that's up to the majority owner. If that's if that's the way that he wants to approach it, then he's put more money in than anybody else. Yep. It's his right to it. I just wish we could get some sort of reconciliation between the parties because it, it feels a shame. They can, our volunteers have been very successful. A lot of clubs would have loved to have kind of funding that they were able to provide if we lose that I think it will be a, a loss to all of us who support the club but I'm not sitting here with any answers I'm not even involved in, in any of it so looking from the outside just feels a shame and I really hope that people can find a way to work together but I'm maybe being too idealistic and we just need to see what transpires mm-hmm. Well looking from the outside it is a shame obviously the Trust have done really well and their events over the years and the free season ticket idea that they have done really well but if, as you said it's the majority owner if he wants to run it his way without any help you know I think the trust have been used to being involved with previous owners because I don't think Jim Ballantyne and Tom Wallace been really 100% knew what they were doing and they needed a bit of help from guys like you know Willie Marshall and, and Dougie and that and I think it was more desperate than that by right. the end of some of those regimes. It I was, think so. Yeah, Very desperate. If you don't do this, then well, you might not have a club and <laughs> a gun to the head. So, yeah, it was a different it approach. Was, and they thrived under that, yeah, those circumstances. They've done, they've done brilliant. You know, you can't, you can't say they've not done a good job, obviously, over the, the last years when the club haven't been... No, I, I, I'm just hoping there's a degree of live and let live 
Uh, you know, and I, I don't like people who mischief make through anonymous posts or whatever. Uh, I don't get involved in, in that myself. Uh, and I'm dismayed that, you know, that any, we don't have uh, the scenario where we can afford to, to lose anyone, I don't think. Uh, and I wish that some people would think before they get behind a keyboard and start typing something in the name. Well, and good people have, I'm not denying the right to opinions after all, I'm expressing it here and, and putting my name to it. Uh, but I, I don't like anyone writing their name to it and uh, not taking the responsibility. That's a bit uh, uh, not in tandem with my line of thinking. People can, can have uh, whatever opinion they want to have, uh, but don't be, uh, you know, don't be well, prepared to have no identity to it. Because it reminds me very much of, I remember uh, in the days of the storm, and uh, Tom uh, Tom Cowan was one of the uh, MCs, and he turns round and, and uh, on the storm, all these names were coming out, and they were saying, Okay then, who's Diamond Dave and who's this that called me a wee fat so-and-so and who's all this? And he, he introduced a humour to it, yeah. you know, because it says and no one came out from the audience and they would probably have been in there, but that's the kind of, uh, you know, approach. I didn't, the Stomp had that, but a lot of people knew other people who they might have been. I didn't uh, know everyone across the board and that's what... Uh, uh, I see people if they want to be anonymous you're entitled to that right to be anonymous uh, and, and you know comment footballs alone but don't start bringing other people's uh, identity into things without substance or if there is substance you know no no I don't, I'm not saying necessarily the club I'm no. just saying uh, just could be anyone yeah yeah no, not at all. I think I think the club, uh, in my opinion, the too professional for, for the likes of mm-hmm. that. What's to gain, and and by the same token, I, I think there's some people mischief makes for the sake of it because why do it? Why does anybody do it? Every football club has their own, you know. I told you this. You heard it from me, etc., etc. This is what happened. Trust me, etc. I'm in the know and all this kind of thing. And they necessarily aren't, you know. I think you're spot on, John, into it. And I think it's the way the world's going. I was laughing on Saturday on Twitter. Ali Roy had put up, oh, first yeah, uh, game, yeah. two goals. And then you look about three comments down. And as a Partick Thistle fan, just posted a picture of a snake. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> a snake sticking its tongue out because he supposedly leaked the WhatsApp did, chat yeah, about them uh-huh. last year. And so, football's very emotive uh, and with also, I mean, it's time Bovril is the, the, the issue here, but with all social media, it's easy to put stuff out there. Uh, but it's it's volunteers or it's people that are just supporting the, the football club that, that we love. Uh, and I mean, mental health is a, a thing that we're seeing more and more of through football. We'll go back on side in the stadium. Just think about if, if people are going to put thinly veiled comments on there about either side. It's not going to move things on. At the moment, it seems to have broken down into quite spiteful things, and it's definitely not going to help the, the football club. As you said, it's like, well, can we get to the stage off? We can just let it rest for a while. And then uh, the, the future for the trust for me is difficult here. They, they either, I wouldn't criticise them if it's volunteers and say, look, we can't, we're not making any headway here. We just chuck it. Uh, or they've gone off to do their community thing, wish them all the luck with that. Mm-hmm. Or to the extent that it does remain that the trust just becomes a vehicle for building up whatever funds they can so that if the current model goes wrong again, at least you've got yeah, a safety net there. But if it doesn't go wrong and the relationship can be repaired, at least they can go back into negotiations with, well, actually, we've got this amount. Are you still looking for us to buy shares? And if the relationship's repaired, we can move forward from there. Have you got any shares in the pub? We do, but one of the points that has moved on over the summer is this argument about the given £10,000 it was for shares, those yeah. shares have now been issued, that point's, okay. uh, that point's resolved, although I think it went legal before we got <laughs> yeah. to that position. Uh, however, if that's resolved, I think then those that own shares said we're going to take more shares, you need to do a pro rata, so they said to the trust, look, if you 
you didn't take, take the shares in the same basis as us, but we're looking for 30k, I think was the figure, John. Yeah, that's uh, via rights issue, you know. The trust are looking for that. The club were saying to the trust, if you want to keep your percentage shareholding, we're letting you buy shares and it'll be £30,000. So quite a lot of money. It is, yeah. Uh, and, but I think it's more where the relationships are just now. That doesn't work for either party. Mm-hmm. But in future, could that be more palatable? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. I think it's, but it's difficult as to what, what do they do just now. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Let's enjoy the well, game tonight. Welcome to the Four Isles Live Lounge. The OTL podcast gets about 300 listeners. When we do silly videos, we get about 2,500 viewers. And that seems like the best way to support our fundraising for this year. We're trying to support Airdrie ladies. They need £4,500 to keep themselves going this year. We want to raise 450 of that. At the moment, we're sitting at £170, uh, and so we're looking for you to help. If you like the podcast, if you're an Airdrie fan, please throw a tenner in in the link that's above this video. Never used to shop in Summerfield, I always used Safeway. I never chose to follow the old firm massive or air trade. Back when I was growing up, what a team air tree was. Dynamite in the cups, Alex McDonald we loved. Branded as beastie boys in victory we'd rejoice. They couldn't handle us and we were void. Doddy's diamonds, they were real men. Hearts and hips knew they lived in fear of them. Big Johnny'd shut them out on Coyle Ashton Gold. Our Adrianians was something they loved. The club went under and we feared of living our life without you. Just a football team, the joy it brought was something we all knew. The Ballantines and the Spears brought a much brighter day, secured the future for years, a debt we'll never repay. It's easy to say it was never the same. The mess it ended in, I know who I'd blame, because he breezed in, talked a great game. Nearly killed the club, and then he ran away. Never apologized, his face is yet to show. Oh, Thomas Wotherspoon, you're someone we loved. Sometimes when I close my eyes, I see old Broomfield's pavilion standing. I'm with my brother and dad roaring Adrian. But now the time's come, we're at the crossroads to build success from here. I'll be a struggle, we've got to find a way, we want the same you know. Our Adrianians is something they love. We've got to find a way while there's enough of us. And Adrianians is something we love. <laughs>